welcome to the Nolan Podcast from National Oil and Lube News. I'm your host, Associate Editor Hannah Bubser. If you received the July issue of Nolan in the mail, or if you've clicked through the digital version on our website, then you've seen Joe Benza on the cover. The July profile story was all about Joe's connection to the industry and his shop, Carolina Quick Lube. Today, Joe joins me on the podcast to talk more about his shop and strategies. Joe, you were on the cover of the July 2023 issue of Nolan uh, for a story about you and Carolina Quick Lube, your shop. And I know you provided some of this context in that story, but for our listeners here on the podcast, it would be great if you could give a little backstory into how you got started in the industry, because you've had kind of an interesting journey so far. Sure. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Um I've been in the oil change business my whole life. Uh, my dad had a store in 1999 and I was 15 years old. Um, went to work with him on Saturday mornings, learned to put air in tires, vacuum vehicles, take out the trash, mop the floor. Um, and then eventually would work there in the summertime after school uh, when I had my own means of transportation and could drive a vehicle. Um, went off to college, got a degree and, um, decided to come back to the family business and, you know, being a scalable business model over the years, we, we grew to six locations. I ran one of those locations for five years. And then as we started to grow, um, you know, dad and I couldn't be in six places at once, but we, uh, we had a really nice geographical footprint where we could touch all of our stores if we needed to. And um, in 2018, we uh, were offered to exit the business in a way that you just don't say no to. Uh, Dad was getting to the point where he was he was ready to retire. It was a really good opportunity. And uh, so we did. And about five years later, I was ready to jump back in and, and do what I've always known how to do, what I love to do. And I, I built a new store and named it Carolina Quick Lube. And that leads really well into my next question, because I'm wondering about what the process was like for opening Carolina Quick Lube. What really inspired you to get back into shop ownership? It's a good question. Um, I went through the Small Business Administration Uh I was viewed as a startup by most banks. And so I had to use the SBA to obtain a loan, uh, find a piece of land, hire an architect, go through design, and eventually find a general contractor that could bring it all to life. And um, after doing all of those things, um, we we built a, a store that over the years I felt encompassed all the things on my wish list from stores that we had that that we didn't have and um pretty proud of the way it turned out and it was it was a big learning curve for me i had no commercial construction experience but the sba does a wonderful job of kind of holding your hand through the process and i, I had a good general contractor that um did a good job building 
building the location. So that's that's kind of the short version of, of how it, it came to life. But the second part of your question, um, why I decided to get back into it was I, I enjoyed having a single location and being part of um, a small business back when, when I first got involved. And as you grow and scale, uh, you lose some of those personal touches when you only had one. And I'm really enjoying having one location. I've got a wonderful group of people that work for me. I've had great feedback from customers. Um, it's, it's just what I've always known how to do. And I kind of just figured, let me, let me stick to what I, what I'm good at and what I know. And, um, that's how it came to life. And you mentioned having the one location. How did you pick where you wanted your shop to be? What did that come down to? So I, I, um, Johnson County is where the store is in North Carolina. It's the fastest growing County in the state. Um, lots of con construction, new rooftops, commercial. And I just wanted to be in a part of town that was growing and new rather than an older side of town where traffic patterns may have changed or there's just not new development going on. Um, it's, it's a more affordable side of, of town to be on. And it just checked a lot of boxes when, when I was looking for, um, growth vehicles per day average medium income things like that i took into consideration and, and was able to um, be fortunate enough to find a good good piece of land and a little earlier you mentioned the construction the commercial build process of this i'm wondering if you could walk me through your shop a little bit how did you decide on what you wanted the layout to look like and really what you wanted the final product to be with this location. So I wanted a, a, a good curb appeal, uh, whether you were pulling into the business or whether you were just driving by, I wanted a store that people could see from the street and say, wow, that's a good looking building. Um, we, we even had some folks think it was a Chick-fil-A being built <laughs> because of the tones of the brick and the stone. So I wanted I wanted a really nice curb appeal, nice landscaping, um, something that, you know, people wanted to pull up to. Um, in terms of the layout of the building, I, I went with a four bay facility, a three bay for quick lube. And then there's a fourth bay that has a two post lift and, and we can do brake pads, rotors, light, light tune ups. Um, we're not going to get into tires or heavy mechanical repairs. So the, the pit actually doesn't go under the fourth bay. That's a slab on grade. The pit only goes under bays one, two, and three. There's, there's a little back office, which I'm sitting in now with a window that looks out into the shop. Um, so if I'm, if I'm back here, you know, working on the business rather than in the business, I can, I can keep my eye on things. Uh, the lobby has got high ceilings, lots of sunlight, uh, comfortable waiting area. And, it, it just kind of morphed in between six locations that we have over the years and saying, well, I liked that. I didn't like this um, in terms of the layout and, and the construction. And there were some restrictions that the DOT required to have a one way in and a one way out, which isn't what I wanted initially. But, 
you know, you have to work with them on things like that. So the building came out great, super happy with it. Um, decided to only do three bays for, for lube and, and one additional bay for um, mechanical repairs, but did not um, have any desire to bring on tires or, or heavier mechanical repair where the facility needed to be any bigger than it already is. So it's a good looking building. Um, it's, it's spacious. I think the technicians really appreciate the layout. Um, it's, it's not really tight in between each bay. There's plenty of room and we kind of put the equipment in a, in a sense that over the years I, I found things that worked and found things that didn't work and things that I liked and things that I didn't like. And, um, even after building this one, there's probably some things I would do differently on the next one, but I think for now, we're just going to stick with what we have. Yeah, I've seen photos and you're definitely working in a really nice shop. It looks great. And you mentioned your team's appreciation for the layout as well. What about your team dynamic? How would you describe that? How does your team work together and, and what does that look like on a daily basis? We're, we're a tight knit group and um, there's there's seven full timers and, and one part timer. So I'm. I'm the ninth person when, when on the shop floor, um, it's, it's a very high level, well-trained, experienced group of folks that have worked together in the past. So we're pretty fortunate that, um, we all get along and, and work well together. We've, we've done a couple of dinners, uh, after hours on a Sunday, uh, just, you know, for a team building type thing. And it's rare in this, industry that you have that and that's part of one of the reasons why i'll probably stick to a single location is just we have a really good group here and and i hope that they uh they all feel the same way <laughs> and what are some tactics that you implement in the shop for keeping things running efficiently and successfully you know that could be training or checking in with the team members from time to time about different processes, anything like that, uh, that you implement at Carolina Quick Loop that has been really beneficial for you operating in this space? Sure. Um, it's the standard operating procedures of a, of a typical Quick Loop. We're, we're pretty uh, passionate about making bait calls. Communication is key. Um, you know, when you get really busy, it helps to know what's going on around you, even if it's not something that you're working on. We, we do little things that I'm sure a lot of other places do, but on our busy days, the bays are full and there's cars that start to stack up outside. And so we just take little write up pads and put notes on the underneath the windshield wipers of, of what the vehicles are. If they're coming in, um, we created a customer contact form. If somebody leaves the, the, the property and is going to come back later. So we're able to, you know, touch base with them. Um, we, we have our own little checks and rechecks that we do um, to ensure that, you know, we don't make mistakes that were preventable, preventable. Um, and then I think lastly, it's just relying on the common sense business practices that the quick lube industry has instilled over the years. Um, and we do, we do a good job of keeping things simple and not overcomplicating things. So um, we're fortunate enough that 
most of the folks that are here are, are quick lube guys and this is what they do and this is what they're good at and what they've always done. So, um, we, we, we're not really trying to reinvent anything. We, we keep things very simple. And in your span of ownership with Carolina quick loop so far, what have been some of the most rewarding parts of overseeing this shop? It's probably the customers and the employees on, on the customer side of things. It's the feedback that we're receiving, whether it's through Google reviews or in person upon completing the work, complimenting the staff, the facility, the, the waiting room, uh, and just people thanking us for being here and, and having the level of service and the type of facility that we have on, on the employee side of things. Um, I feel like the, the technicians are very appreciative to, to have a facility that's brand new. Uh, nothing beats brand new every, every piece of equipment and tool that we have is, is only six months old, five months old. Um, and then, you know, we we're we're going back to our, our core business roots from 1999. We're, we're not open on Sunday. Um, we close at six o'clock during the week. We close at four o'clock on Saturday and um, everybody gets a day off during the week. So it allows people to kind of create a schedule and say, you know, my day's off or Tuesday. And so I can make doctor's appointments. I can go visit, you know, grandma, I can, run errands. And I, and I know that that's my schedule rather than it changing week over week and, and not being able to make plans. And then I think, you know, I'm, I'm speaking on behalf of them, but a lot of people like in, in this industry, knowing who they work for and there's a face um, and I'm here just about every day. And if they have a problem, they can reach out to me directly versus, you know, if you work for a larger company, you may have to go through different levels of management or contact HR. And if you got a problem with your health insurance benefits, I can, I can answer that for you typically within 30 minutes, same day type of a thing. So it's a, it's an easier place to work. And um, I, I try and treat these guys in a way that I don't want them leaving. I don't want them going to work somewhere else. I, I want them five, six, seven years from now to still be here. So um, there's, there's health insurance here. We're looking into a retirement plan. Um, the hours of operation are big and you, you just do little things like thank them for putting in a hard day's work, you know, buy lunch on a busy day, come in with breakfast on a day that you know is going to be a busy day and, um, let them know that they're people and you care about them and, and that, uh, you appreciate what they do for you. Cause at the end of the day, as the business owner, they, they do it for the business. They do it for the paycheck. They, they do it for you. Looking at your leadership approach as well, is there is there anything that you do personally to keep yourself sharp as a leader? Um, sometimes I'll hear about books people are reading, podcasts they're listening to, or even just processes that um, shop owners have implemented to really stay on top of leadership as a whole and and being the leader that you want to be anything you can think of in that area um i'm i'm not a good reader and i and i i don't usually have the attention span to listen to a podcast longer for than 15 minutes or so um but to answer your question this is what i've always done and so 
if I'm here and I'm present and I'm touching and feeling the business on a daily basis, I think when you work alongside the people that work for you and they see that you sweat the same way they do and, and you put in an eight, 10 hour day the same way they do and you'll help rotate tires on a big truck or, you know, the burn your forearm changing an oil filter when, when it has to be done. I think that's the biggest thing is, is when they see that you're in the trenches with them and you're working alongside of them rather than, you know, being out on a boat or a golf course somewhere and checking in once a month. And, and there's absentee owners that are able to accomplish that and have a different style of leadership and have success. I'm not knocking that approach. Mine is just hands-on and, and to be, to be here. I want to be here. I enjoy being here. Um, I am a big fan of the, uh, the Apple series, Ted Lasso I actually have the believe sign in my office. And so I try and keep things lighthearted here and, and fun and, whether it's a cheesy dad joke or just the power of optimism and let, you know, we're not perfect. We've, we've made some mistakes since we've opened and uh, letting these guys know it's okay. Like we're going to make mistakes. It's not the mistake that matters. It's, it's how we fix it. It's, it's what we do to make it right by the customer. So um, I would say from a leadership style or approach, it's, it's not after a, a coach K, you know, Duke basketball real coach it's it's probably based more off of the um sitcom ted lasso so that would be my my leadership style and approach yeah that answer makes a lot of sense especially considering the hands-on component and that even in relation to ted lasso as a show as well i think that works really well together um what about any challenges in the industry right now that you're seeing that could potentially even be opportunities for quick loops going forward? Um, I know there's there's a lot of talk about labor shortages and challenges there, um, all of that being combined with many other things going on throughout the aftermarket. But anything that, again, you see as a challenge, but also potentially an opportunity? Yeah, you know, specifically in North Carolina, there's some legislation out there right now to possibly change, even eliminate the emissions program. I think some states have dealt with that over the years. I know Texas just went through uh, removing their safety program. And whether it's, I think theirs was $7 and change, it's still traffic. It's still a car that comes into your bay every day. Um, it's, it's an opportunity for somebody to say, oh, I got to go get this inspection done or this emissions test, I might as well get my oil changed while I'm there. Uh, there's some ancillary sales that can come along with it. So I, I think the um, states that do participate in some type of annual inspection program, emissions test, um, always keeping an eye on that and seeing, seeing uh, what changes are going to be proposed down the road. There's, there's the ever, ever talk of, um, electric vehicles and, and how that will impact the quick lube industry, the automotive industry as a whole. Um, I, I tend to, you know, try and read articles that come out and um, understand what that looks like. Um, networking with other folks in the industry to, to get their take on it. Is, is there a certain runway that we have here in our, in our industry that uh, will, will eventually run out of five, 10, 15 years. 
currently, I don't think so. I, I think once you start to see large chain gas stations stop building new locations, that might be a good warning sign. Um, but we're, we're getting a new sheets around the corner recently. So um, electric vehicles is always looming and out there. And then you touched on it with labor. Uh, wages are continuing to go up and um, folks that want to do this type of work probably is going down. And you're going to have to hire and train and develop with either little to no skill set um, over the years. And some folks will use this type of work as a stepping stone to become mechanics or to get to the next chapter of their careers. Others uh, enjoy it and, and this is what they're good at and what they do. And there's, there's plenty of us out there that are oil change guys, quick lube guys. So um, take care of your people the best that you can and hopefully turnover is at a minimum. But um, I know that that's probably the biggest challenge that shop owners today face is being understaffed or, or, or a lot of turnover. And I think that's the reality of um, kind of blue collar work retail, where whether you're a car wash, a quick lube, a restaurant, um, typically you're going to have turnover and you're just going to have to keep hiring and training and hiring and training. And um, hopefully some people stick around and like I said, make a career out of it. And those that move on to new things, you're just going to have to replace them. And that's, that's probably the biggest challenge. And my last question here for you, Joe, is what are your goals for Carolina Quick Lube's future? You know, I, I think it was documented in the written piece, but I'm, I'm just taking it day at a time, um, day by day, week by week, month by month. I know that sounds a little cliche, but uh, I, I don't run the business off of a, a certain budget yet. Um, we're still new where our focus is speed of service and, and quality of service and customer service. And um, as long as I'm keeping the lights on and, and making sure the guys are paid and uh, can restock the inventory, uh, hopefully, you know, continue to make some money personally, then I, I think um, that's what, that's what people get into business for is to uh, take care of their employees and, and have a healthy business. I, would say that probably starting in 2024, um, my approach will change a little bit because we're out of the first year of, of launch and, and introducing ourselves to the community and letting them know we're open and probably put together a little bit more of a structured um, set of goals, whether that's cars per day, revenue. Um, I, I'm not too focused on ticket average. I know a lot of places have been and, and I had been in the past. I'm more focused on volume, um, speed and uh, customer feedback. And I think if you can focus on those things where people don't want to get an oil change, it's a necessary evil. I think at a quick conference I was at a couple of years ago, um, I guess a speaker had referenced that it's the second most disliked thing that people have to do next to going to the dentist. Uh, it takes too long. It's expensive. You're usually offered to purchase other things that maybe you can't afford or you don't, you just don't want to. So you have to say no to. And so if we can get people in and out at a fair 
competitive, affordable price and not take up too much of their time and give them exactly what they came in for. Um, I think that's a good recipe to, to scale the business internally and, and go from, you know, doing 10 to 20 to 30 to 40, hopefully 50 plus oil changes a day um, where that becomes your average. And that that's kind of my mindset is to, to keep it simple here and focus on volume and growth. Thanks for listening to the Nolan Podcast from National Oil and Lube News. For more content, follow Nolan on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure that you never miss another. Subscribe to the Nolan Podcast wherever you listen. I'm Associate Editor Hannah Bubser, and I'll talk to you more next time.